So did you ever wonder how it would be to hear Jesus pray out loud so you could follow exactly what Jesus was praying? Have you ever wondered how Jesus might pray for you? But we're about to read a scripture that contains Jesus praying. According to some of the commentators I've read, it is possible that some of this prayer was not only for Jesus and the twelve gathered around him, but about all those who at some point would follow Jesus. Those scholars pointed out that somehow the pronoun usage in the middle of this prayer seems to shift a little from specifically these twelve to all of those who would eventually follow Christ. They're way smarter than I am, so I'm going to take their word for that. And I want us to hear it kind of as that today, as prayer prayed for followers of Christ in general. As I read the scripture, I want to ask you to do this. I want to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads as though someone is praying, because in fact, that is the case. Someone is praying for you in the words of Jesus. So I want you to hear them as though you were being prayed for because they are the prayer prayed for followers of Christ. This is John 17, verses 6 through 19. Let's listen to the scripture and the prayer it contains, realizing Jesus is talking with the Heavenly Father about followers of Christ who include us. So in our scripture, here is our prayer. Father, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word 
is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. In the words of Jesus' prayer, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So did you notice the things that Jesus asked for in his prayer? There wasn't much about providing for us, keeping us healthy or happy, blessing our family and friends. There's nothing in this prayer really related to anything physical or emotional. There are two primary requests in this prayer of Jesus. To protect his followers, specifically protect them from the evil one, and two, to sanctify them. To sanctify them by God's word, which is truth. What Jesus prays for is all about the spiritual. Spiritual protection, spiritual completion, spiritual fulfillment. In his words, he prays that his followers would be sanctified. Now, if these two concepts are the primary issues Jesus prays about, shouldn't that get our attention a little bit? It does mine. Protection from the evil one. That's spiritual protection against the attack of the evil one. Protection against anything that could destroy us spiritually. Distraction, damage, completely destroying our relationship with God. Any of those kind of things. You may remember that in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. His prayer for us reflects that concern as he prays for the protection of our souls. Then we move toward the end of this part of that prayer. Jesus prays that we would be sanctified. Sanctified. People have defined sanctified with phrases like being made perfect in love, being filled with the Spirit, they often use the word holiness. We can define it with phrases like these, but more significantly, there's a question that arises. How are we sanctified? What does that mean in our lives? How does this purifying, perfecting work of God really happen in our lives, not just in words written in the scripture. How does that happen? Consistently, John Wesley preached about the sanctifying work of God in the lives of believers. And in doing that, he often had to convince people he wasn't talking about a righteousness based on works, on human goodness, on human achievement. Sanctification was never meant to be understood as a goal we can reach by our own efforts. Rather, it is a gift to be received. 
a work of God received by grace through faith, not by works, not by things that we do ourselves. I think this idea of sanctification has often been misunderstood as something we have to earn, even though we might understand that our salvation, our justification, is by grace through faith in Christ. Many people in the church over the centuries have often connected sanctification with working harder and more faithful, being more faithful at living out the Christian life. I've got to do better. It's like a state of spiritual blessing that we have to work hard to get to. Or it's a level of maturity that we reach by being super obedient and super spiritual, doing all we can to achieve the will of God in our lives. So we work hard to read scripture, to pray, to serve people so that we can become holy. Obviously, none of those things are bad things to do. They reflect God's work in our life. But trying to do all of those things in order to earn sanctification is not the point. It's not even possible. That's not at all what Jesus prayed for when he prayed that we would be truly sanctified. Notice in the last line of that scripture I read from John a few minutes ago, there are these words. Jesus said, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, in those words, it's clear this is a work that Jesus, as God in the flesh, can do. He says, I sanctify myself. But nowhere in there does it say, I sanctify myself so that they can sanctify themselves. He did not go on to say that. We, we can't do it. No matter how hard we try, we cannot do it ourselves. The work of sanctifying is the work of God in us. Not something we can make happen, but rather something God does in us by grace as we surrender to that work in our lives. Wesley defines sanctification as a restoration to the image of God being made perfect in love toward God and neighbor. He believed that this work could, could happen to a level of complete or entire sanctification. I want to read just a snippet from Wesley's sermon on the scripture way of salvation as he talks about this. We wait for entire sanctification, for a full salvation from all our sins, from pride, self-will, anger, unbelief, or as the apostle expresses it, go on unto perfection. But what is perfection? The word has various senses. Here it means perfect love. It is love excluding sin, love filling the heart, taking up the whole capacity of the soul. It is love rejoicing evermore, praying without ceasing, in everything giving thanks. And he continues from there. When Jesus prays for us to be sanctified, he's praying for us to be made 
perfect. Does that mess with your mind a little bit? Jesus praying for us to be perfect in love, perfect love that fills the heart and changes our lives. Jesus prayed for us to be perfect. That's a big prayer. That is a big prayer. For his followers to be completely sanctified, made perfect in love. Jesus must have believed that to be possible or he wouldn't have prayed it, right? We say as United Methodists that we believe that work happens. Here's what part of our doctrine statement in our book of discipline says. Entire sanctification is a state of perfect love, righteousness, and true holiness, which every regenerate believer may obtain by being delivered from the power of sin, by loving God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength, and by loving one's neighbor as oneself. Through faith in Jesus Christ, this gracious gift may be received, not earned, received in this life, both gradually and instantaneously, and should be sought earnestly by every child of God. So how does this belief statement, how does this prayer of Jesus translate to our lives today? I think the bottom line is God invites us into an experience, into a life that we can't get on our own. It's just not possible. I believe the only way we get there is to give up trying to get ourselves there and allow God to take us there through grace. It's still a work of grace, not our own efforts. I want to share an illustration that bounces around in my mind as I think about this process. When I think about trying to get myself somewhere, because I want to be there at this given time. So I go out, I get in my car, I turn it on, I put it in gear, I hit the accelerator, Turn the steering wheel the right way. I use turn signals, all the things I can do to be a good driver. And hope there are no stupid drivers around me. Well, eventually, if all goes well, I will get to where I want to be. I can do that physically. There is nothing that makes me think we can do that spiritually, though. We have to be taken there. That's becoming more possible physically. I mean, have you seen over the last few years all the testing that's going on with, with Google cars, with driverless cars? Let me, let me show you what they look like. They look a little strange. They've got sensors all over them. They've got, uh, they've got satellite reception and everything else. I think we've got that on a video. If not, use your imagination. It looks like a sci-fi car almost. Um, yeah, look at these little things. They just look strange. They, they have all of this sensing equipment on it. But as crazy as it sounds, these are now in use. There are big cities, Phoenix being one of them, I'm sure of. This is their taxi service. Can you imagine you punch it in on your phone and say, hey, come pick me up at this address. I want to go to this address. Here's my credit card number and you're good to go. And you get in and you trust this thing. 
to take you where you're supposed to go. I don't know that I could trust that thing. Obviously, people are doing that. But it's a fully automated, directed journey that I would have nothing to do with if I were the passenger. The passengers simply surrender control to the car, sit back and let it take them where they want to go. Now, I know to compare technology-driven transportation and spirit-powered transformation, that illustration is going to break down somewhere quickly. It is not a great comparison. But think about it with me for a minute. When I'm driving the car, I give my best human efforts to get where I want to go under my own power. Now, I can do that spiritually. I can work hard. I can read my Bible. I can pray. I can show up at church and I can help teach VBS and I can do various things and I can work hard at being a good follower of Jesus. But if all I have are the things that I do and work hard at, I'm never really going to get to where Jesus prayed that we would get to. The only way I get there is to sit back, relax, and let God take me on that journey to that place of perfect love that Jesus prayed for, for us to be sanctified. I can surrender to the power of spirit-controlled transformation in our lives as we follow Christ, as we surrender completely and let God's guidance system powered by the Holy Spirit take us where we need to go to experience that work of being sanctified. Ultimately, I think when Jesus prays in John 17, what he was praying for is that we would fully surrender to God. That they would be sanctified. That they would fully surrender to God for protection from the evil one and for sanctification. We're invited to surrender to God's control. I got to tell you, I can do that a whole lot easier than I can step into a driverless car right now. Because my God is faithful. God wants the best. God is wise. We can trust and obey our Lord. I think surrender is the unspoken word in Jesus' prayer. The unspoken call that helps make us perfect in love or sanctified. That's what Jesus prayed. If we want to experience all that God has for us through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, if we want to be responsive to the prayer that Jesus prayed, then we need to allow God to continue that work in us. You know, as as things move closer to normal with the relaxing of COVID restrictions, more people are beginning to return to church. And, And it feels kind of like a new beginning. Again, more signs of that new beginning are coming. Not only are there going to be hymnals and Bibles and bulletins sometime 
I think we're going to actually have a whole choir and, uh, to help facilitate worship. And, and I'm excited about that. And a lot of other things I have yet to see as a part of this church. But it feels like an, a, a new beginning, a time for a fresh start or restart on a lot of things. I think it's the perfect time for a renewed commitment to our journey of grace that moves us deeper and deeper into that sanctification that Jesus prays for. It doesn't involve working harder. It involves surrendering more completely. That's not necessarily easy, but it's simple. Surrender. Sit back and allow God's grace to fill us to work in us, to transform us. So, are we ready to renew or continue our spiritual transformation process that Jesus prayed for, that we could be sanctified? It's a journey of grace. A gift to be received. A willingness to allow God to take full control. Jesus, in his prayer, encourages us toward an ever new experience. For us, that new experience in a post-pandemic world can still be that sanctifying journey of grace. That constantly new experience which can begin or begin again in new hope today as we take more steps forward can be a journey of grace as God continues to mold us and make us to be perfect in love as Jesus prayed to be sanctified. My prayer is that together we can encourage one another to surrender, to sit back and let God guide us to where we're being called to be in a grace-filled relationship with our Lord. The journey's there to be taken. The gift is there to be received. And we're all here to be a part of one another's journey. Let's do that journey beginning again today as we take new steps into what is starting to feel like a new world again. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you would shower on your people new grace every day. New grace to surrender. New grace to be made and molded like you. New grace for the journey you call us on. And while we all have a desire to follow faithfully, to serve you, to do the things that make our relationship stronger with you, free us from the tendency to think we have to work harder in order for you to make us perfect the way Jesus prayed. Free us from that trap and move us to the point of 
Total surrender. Total surrender to you and the work of your spirit in our lives. So that you can make us, you can mold us, you can lead and guide us. You can change us. Transform us. Jesus prayed for something really big. And we believe, Lord, that that prayer isn't prayed if it's not possible. We know we can't do it, but we know you are the God of the impossible. And so in confidence and hope, we surrender our journeys to you as the God of the impossible. That grace continues to change us and make us like you. So that we might be sanctified as Christ the Lord sanctified himself. By your grace, guide us in that process today and every day. In Christ's name, amen.